you're talking to a pro here. He's, I, I know. He's he, probably like, come on now. He's ready yeah, for he's it. recording right away, man. Don't wait. You never know where that gold might come in. <laughs> no, I, uh, uh, I spent a little bit of time in Cincinnati because my mom moved there when I was eight years old. Oh, no way. And it was just a very sudden thing because she had uh, met a, a guy here in Los Angeles from Cincinnati and he was moving back there and the relationship blossomed. And so she's like, Hey, I'm going to go live with this guy in Cincinnati. I'm like, wait, what? Uh, and she ended up staying there for about a year, but I went out and visited her and, you know, of course went to riverfront, checked out the reds, reds Dodger game. Uh, but it was, I had a blast, fun city, fun, fun town. And, um, like I said, got a chance to get to know the city just a little bit as a kid though. Right. Well, you, your team, uh, your team just put a, hurting on me a little bit we talked right before the rams and Bengals played you remember that mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i do yeah 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 yeah. i know That's i'm still stuff. i'm still hurting i was super <laughs> excited for the rams like i was super excited for that organization because you know you're a rams are you a rams fan or you have another team no, i can't claim to be a rams fan i'm more i'm a raiders fan okay and the reason i'm a raiders fan is growing up in los angeles the raiders were here and I never was a Rams fan ever. So I just kind of kept Raiders as my team. But honestly, I'm not a I'm not a football guy. I'm more of a baseball guy. So okay. Okay. You, you talk, we'll talk about baseball. But it, it, look, football is such an exciting sport to watch. My son got really into football because of fantasy. So he knows way more about it. Than <laughs> like, you draft this person. Right. He actually won fantasy because of his his draft selection. His prowess. Yeah, yeah exactly. How old your son? He's 10. 10. Oh, that's a fun age. How old's uh, Ava? I got an eight-year-old, too. Okay. All right. Yeah. So she's just learned the art of asking why about absolutely everything. And I'm like, babe, sure. I'm like, I'm so into it. I'm so down with that because I want you to be able to question. We've, we've actually talked about this before. I'm like, yes, great. But sometimes you're just like, don't ask me why. I'm your dad. Let me explain myself. You're like, oh, like, what's the balance? But as they get the older, you know, that initial why, because I'm your dad's not going to cut it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I say we go ahead and kick this off. Let's do it. Um, Let's do it. Welcome to another episode of Unscripted Exchanges. I'm Cole. I'm Hayden. And we've got a third guest uh, here today. He is an unbelievable entrepreneur, podcaster. Uh, he's been in the corporate world. He's been in technology. He's been all over the place. Uh, Billy Samoa Salibi, and you can correct me, Billy, if I'm pronouncing your name wrong. That's impressive. You got it. Man. Okay, like, I got it the first. Nobody ever gets it, so kudos to you. I've been practicing. <laughs> I've been practicing at the mirror, uh, but Billy has—he's uh, just you know a, a really well-rounded uh, person that's just got so much to, uh, value to give. He runs a podcast called Insight Out. Uh, which he's, you know, it's it's really about being a thought leader and unpacking things about how to make your life better, how to uh, increase your professional and personal life and just kind of move forward. He's got a podcast called For the Love of Podcasts, which Hayden and I are super big fans of because it's helping us be better podcasters. Um, and he also runs Insight Media. He runs Podify, which are Two different, you know, Potify more of a, and, and correct me and jump in at any time, Billy, but I'm giving a little bit of a resume for you. Uh, but Potify is a podcasting service company that really provides uh, unique services and applications to help podcasters grow and market themselves. 
And then Insight Media is kind of a full media company. And again, he's been, you know, he's worked for Tesla. I think he worked for Varengo, Solar. I mean, dude's been all over the place. So we're super excited to have you, Billy. Hope I did you justice and, and appreciate you being here. You did. I want to bring you everywhere, man. Thanks for the full <laughs> overview. Uh, you gave my, my practically, practically gave my life story and I appreciate it. And Andy's yeah, a Pisces. A no, I'm just kidding. We're, we're riding. What's that? I said Andy's a Pisces, but I don't think I'm right on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the cusp. On the, on the cusp. Cole's the ultimate hype man. You know, that's why I enjoy being around Cole. He, he's got the energy and sometimes he makes me bring up my energy so he's a good person to work with well, we got to we got we got to take it up a notch and you know what we're so thankful to have billy on here so yes billy uh, thanks again for coming you know on. i didn't ex- you know shouldn't have expected anything less and, and again your your background speaks for itself so th- <laughs> thanks for being on here um of course and we've pleasure. we've got a lot of you know we call ourselves billy unscripted exchanges because again we try to stick to an off the cusp conversation obviously we prepared some some questions for you um but i think we're just going to let this conversation flow and and kind of see what comes out of it and hope our, our listeners get a lot of value from it so um jumping you know first thing i think we wanted to unpack with you which i think is kind of a cool a cool thing is your podcasting background and you know we've both uh, Hayden and I. I mean, ever since we had that, I had that first conversation with you when I reached out. So for you should, listeners, should we tell them how we stumbled upon Billy too? I don't know if it like, stumbled upon or like ran into like this just unbelievable like social media blitz of good content. I think Hayden said, "Dude, you got to check this Billy guy out." And and I was like, "Okay." And I looked you up on LinkedIn, Billy, and I was like holy smokes this dude's pushing some content some like really valuable stuff and so we reached three listeners i reached out and i said like hey you look like you know what you're doing like you you're doing really well uh and so billy and i had a, a facetime meeting where he just gave me some feedback on like hey here's how to do some certain stuff here's what to avoid and hopefully we're taking some of that advice you've given us and and that kind of jumps into like insight out i'd love to dive into like you know maybe that specifically um and also just some of your other like projects you've got going on and and understand like first of all why did you get into podcasting because i know you've talked about it but what made you so passionate about that in a word curiosity i I love asking questions always have Uh, when i was a kid i remember going to my family reunion and this sort of dates me because I'm going to tell you what I used. I used a tape recorder going around to my family, again, probably eight, nine years old, and asking them questions. And I've always been deeply fascinated by people's stories and what makes them who they are. And so flash forward years and years later, I had my corporate career sort of in the rearview mirror. I had a, I'm not going to complain about it, but I had an amazing corporate ride. And it, it finally ended, right? I was, I call it my corporate surfboard. And I was just like riding this wave where I got a ton of promotions, amazing opportunities. I was one layer removed from Elon Musk, sort of pinch you moment, you know, pinch me. Am I like, is this real? Mm-hmm. I was like, what do I do next? And before I got into corporate, I was in the film business. I made a movie. And so how do I blend 
my love of teaching mm-hmm. and my natural curiosity and my creative spirit? How do I find a medium that will allow me to do all of those things? And then it just, podcasting was the answer that kept on coming up. It was the thing that I kept on seeing as a, a, a potential opportunity to create that next chapter of my life. And as soon as I started doing my first show inside out, I fell head over heels in love with podcasting because it's the only medium that I know of where you could have a, a deep, rich, nuanced conversation that gets past all the surface level. You get deeper and you get into some real substance because I think, you know, you look at like late night TV, for example. I mean, all they're talking about is such basic things. Nothing against late night TV, but I wanted to have a deeper, more rich conversation. And so as I prepare for the interview, I get to learn about fascinating people and I take research very seriously. So like you, and I could tell you've done your research, I take the time to get to know the guest, And at the same time, I'm learning. And then when I interview them, I'm learning again because I'm actually talking about things that I have deep curiosity about. And so I unpack and uncover like moments of their life and it's called inside out because I I look for those transformational moments of insight Mm -hmm. that have helped to define who they are. Mm -hmm. And through that journey and through that conversation, I hope that listeners can benefit by hearing about remarkable people's story. And so as that show took off and I had the opportunity to interview some really, really amazing people, I started thinking to myself, okay, I know I love podcasting. How can I learn as much as I can as quickly as possible? So I started my next show for the love of podcast, which gave me the opportunity to interview people with 15 million downloads in a month, people who are in the podcast hall of fame. So like Jordan Harbinger or just interviewed Evo Taros in the podcast who just got inducted into the podcast hall of fame or Dave Jackson or all these amazing people who've been podcasting way longer than me and I could learn from them. And so that, that then gave me that foundation of knowledge, which helped me apply what I had learned to my business Spotify, which helps people make podcasts. So now I get to produce amazing shows like for the love of pod, uh, like uh, the language of love with Dr. Laura Berman and a whole bunch of other shows that allow me to not only be more creative, but also support other people and their own creative vision. It's amazing. I I'm, know. I'm speechless a little bit. <laughs> I, you know what? I just, uh, there's a few tidbits for the whole, first of all, thank you. That was such a, like insightful, <laughs> we're talking inside out, but insightful like answer. <laughs> first of all, I want to touch on like he says one layer from Elon Musk, and I had a question. We got some questions down here. Yeah. One of my questions was like, you know, you knew we were gonna ask this, okay? You worked for Tesla, okay? You've had some big it. guests. You knew we were gonna go. Did you get to meet Elon Musk? And you're like, did you get to meet him? Did you? Yeah. So I had because I was one layer removed. I had the opportunity to experience what type of leader he is. So yes, I, I I got to meet him in a very quick fashion Mm -hmm. at one of our um, reveal events. It was the semi truck unveil. So like he would not in a million years know who I am. It was a handshake and that's it. Uh, But I did get to be on conference calls and he didn't do a lot of them, but there were only about 200 directors in the company. 
And this is like a 60, at the time, 60,000 person organization. Right. Mm -hmm. There's only 200 people at my level or above. And so he would do these conference calls, especially at uh, what we call like delivery time, which is the end of quarter. And then some other significant moments. And what stood out the most about Elon is his ability to solve problems through asking questions, Hmm. really strategic, smart questions that would help to give him the understanding of what the issues were so that he could find a a quick solution. And let let me just say this. You don't want to say you don't know or (laughs) give some kind of excuse for why something's happened. Right. He does not have the time or patience for it. Mm -hmm. And, And I could, I mean, I saw firsthand people say, this is a small example, but like, we don't know where we're going to put the overflow of cars. There's no more spaces. And in Elon's mind is if you're only thinking about parking lots or what would be an obvious solution, you're missing the boat. Are you saying you can't find another place to put other vehicles? And if that's what you're saying, then you're not the right person for this job. He probably didn't say it quite as polite as I just did. But, <laughs> you're you're, you're but, toning but, it down for us, right? But, but I mean, like, this is a guy who wants to go to Mars, right? Like, so he's not going to let what many people would perceive as a deterrent mm-hmm. or a roadblock get in his way. He is, I mean, to say he's got unlimited thinking is so obvious at this point because of who he is and how well-known he is. Mm-hmm. But what I think a lot of people don't realize is that he is always in solution mode, mm-hmm. finding solutions, and he's tackling the world's most difficult problems. So I'm glad that he has the skill set to ask those those great questions. And one other thing I'll share about Elon, because I, I think it would be valuable to anyone who's listening right now and wants to know why is he able to do what he's able to do? Mm-hmm. And, and there's something called first principles thinking. Okay. Which is really boiling things down to their fundamental truths. Yep. Um, an example would be if he started Tesla and said, oh, okay, I'm going to look at all the other cars that are out there and I'm going to just try to incrementally improve. Instead, he would say, what if a car never existed before? How would we build it from the ground up, knowing what limitations we might have because of physics or the law of nature or something that we can't control, but everything else, we could just do whatever we want. You know, if if you started a bike company, if you started any company, don't limit yourself to what already exists. Instead, think about things from a first principle standpoint. Don't reason by analogy but instead, think from the ground up. What could something be, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of what already exists? And I think that error is the cornerstone of who he is and how he operates because he will never, ever look to see what everybody else has done and then just try to make it a little bit better than that. Instead, he's just building it from the ground up. Well, I love that. I love that. I, I mean, Hayden, if you want to jump in, but I, I mean, my initial thoughts to that is like I'm rethinking how I approach you know, and I think there was some other stuff you said earlier I wasn't going to dive into, but this I can't I can't pass up on this opportunity, Billy, because what I'm hearing you say is like that's so mind blowing to an extent, right? Because what we're taught in business school and and through read like a lot of books you read and a lot of this is how you do it, right? And you go out and reach is you know look at what other people are doing and like in, improve upon it, or mm-hmm. it's nothing wrong with a copied idea, right? And you're saying like that first principles way of thinking is. You know, look at it. Okay, I want to do this, but I'm not going to go try to compare myself to these guys and just do what they're doing. 
I'm going to imagine it like you said, like a car, or maybe it's like a, you know, like a HR salute software, whatever it is. I'm throwing like random stuff out there, but what do I want to achieve? And if I'm starting from zero, what's going to be important to get there versus trying to compare? Because I think we get lost in that, right? As human beings, we start looking at every other company out there or every other person and we go, Okay, I got to be like them. I got to be like them. I got to be like this. And I got to add this. And I need. And then we go. All right, there's like seventy five things. Where do I start? Right. Do I even want to start? Do I even want to address it? And a lot of the times we're just like, all right, uh, I don't know about that. So I just, I get, it gives me chills. What do you, what do you like that? That is so valuable to to think about and even practice in life. One one it's thing. True. I mean. It, it's analysis paralysis. If you if you overcomplicate it by thinking about, oh, the, how does this person do it? How does that person do it? And, and by the way, it's not binary that you could only do use first principles thinking and never look at the competition. Mm-hmm. Right. I've interviewed. I mean, you, you gotta you gotta feel get, get a feel for what's right for the situation you're in because I think there is a place for looking at competitive analysis and doing all that. But I also I do think there's value in having no preconceived notion mm-hmm. of what it sh- quote unquote should be. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no. I, I mean, I I'm loving the conversation here. I'm taking it all in. I think first off, you're probably being a little bit humble. You probably have uh, Elon on like speed dial. You guys are probably best buddies or something, but the other thing I wanted to call out is I, I love your, your messaging around, you know, how Elon and all of us can kind of apply this in our lives in terms of like the power of asking questions. I think that's so important. You know, I used to grow up hearing there is no such thing as a bad question, and I'm starting to shift my mindset around that. There are some questions that aren't necessarily the greatest questions to ask, and I think it goes back to, as you mentioned, just being constantly curious and wanting to know how things work um, and, and diving into that fundamental why. But again, it's always important to figure out the best way to frame your questions because I do think there are some questions that are probably a little bit better than others. Um, so I just love that you called out that Elon's really good at asking the right types of questions. And I think we can all apply that to our lives as well. A hundred percent. And he asks questions that make his team come up with creative solutions. So mm-hmm. he's inspiring action through the questions that he's asking, because all of a sudden the question elicits a, a response and almost a sense of obligation or duty because he's now shifting their perspective or mindset around the the problem that exists right. and how they're going about defining what that solution should be. So yes, you're right. The, the actual art of asking the right questions is absolutely crucial and can oftentimes help to get those around you. Cause look, he's only one person. I think we got to remember that he's only one person <laughs> right. as amazing as Elon is his companies don't exist without all the other people around him, right? Whether it's SpaceX or Neuralink or Tesla or any company, boring company, you name it. He finds incredible people and he's very good at hiring as well. We can talk about that, but he's very good at hiring. And that's the number one thing he's looking for, by the way, he's looking for people who are able to solve problems. Mm -hmm. That's, that is what he looks for. And his questions help those people find those solutions. Now, would you say that the higher that you rise in like corporate America, let's say, is our example here, you're not necessarily paid to solve problems? Like I think 
mid management and maybe even a step lower is brought in to solve those problems. And I'm speaking from, you know, experience or where I'm at versus like your senior leaders and executives are more so brought in to help make decisions. Like you're getting paid for that versus actually delivering the solutions. Does that question make sense? Mm. It does. I, it's a great point. And I, as I reflect and, and think about what you've said, I, I think the more senior you are, the more your responsibility is to create the culture mm-hmm. and lead the team that will do whatever it is that you need to have happen. Right. So right, you're empowering you're that team. Right. You're yep. not going to be executing, yep. but you, you define the environment, the atmosphere that that team is in to able to be able to most effectively solve the problems that exist for your company. And, and again, every company is different and, and how big the company matters. And, right. you know, a VP at one company has a very different role to a VP at another company. Mm-hmm. So I think there are a lot of variables at play, but yes, big companies, fortune 100 companies, the more senior you are, you create the atmosphere or the culture as well as you define who the players are, right? Who, who totally. the team is. I love that. Yeah. Well, it's like that, that example of, you know, talking about these, you know, Elon Musk had two, what, two, at your time, 200 of you, right? 200 of, what, but you, I mean, like 200 directors, right? And he's saying, okay, like, I'm going to pose this problem or this question to you guys. And I'm not necessarily looking for you to solve it as much as you've put the right people in place to be able to go and solve it and ask the right questions. So I'm going to ask you, and you better go reiterate that to your team and, and come back with a solution, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which it sounds like he just, you know, he had that unique way. Um, well, well, one thing I'll say about that is, you know, some of the calls I was on with him were people at my level, but then I was on some other calls where it was actually people more at the ground level. And and I don't mean that in like some hierarchical, like they were literally the ones delivering the cars or maybe they were managing the team Mm -hmm. that were delivering the cars. So it was like, I was on a call with him talking to the delivery team, the leaders within that organization. So they may not have been at my level, which to his credit, he's not, he's not a guy that's like concerned with like are you a vp right director he so that would be another example of how he's getting into the trenches rolling up his sleeves and asking the right questions Mm -hmm. so in that case he's asking the questions of the people who will be finding the solution and he's giving them some ammunition to be able to do that i love it i love it man you're you're throwing out bombs right and left man i i'm i'm really really excited getting more excited as we're talking um I want to go back to something else, and we're going to kind of get off of the the Elon Musk train because <laughs> I can't. I'm trying to pay attention. All I keep coming back to is that he produced a movie, <laughs> <laughs> and I want to unpack that uh, because again, I just you've got such a cool, diverse background. And I'm tooting your own horn, but you know you do have a really neat background, and 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 that you know that story you told about how you went from you know, as a young kid being curious and having the tape recorders. I remember those a cassette tape recorders where you'd hold the thing button down. I mean, we've, we've yeah. all seen them in movies now. I don't think, you know, you have to really That's search right. to find the real ones. Um, but I want to know about this movie. Like you, what, <laughs> like what? <laughs> so that, no, I'm happy to share it. So look, when I went to college, I wish I had the love and care passion for business that I have today. Mm -hmm. But when I went to college, I did not have that. So my econ class, 
soured my desire to study business. So I started as a business major. And then I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm fascinated by movies and cinema. And I'd made some like short films in high school. So I changed my major to film, film production specifically, and Mm -hmm. got to make some movies in college. When I graduated, I was like, okay, I just paid a ridiculous amount of money to go to school. Let me put this. I don't want to be one of those guys who doesn't apply. (laughs) Doesn't do it. Right. So I I was like, okay, I wrote up, I moved to New York for whatever reason and decided I'd write my movie there. I spent about six months writing the screenplay, came back, found some producers to help finish the screenplay and, and, and really dial in the vision of what we're going to do. So I brought in some producers and some co-writers and then we cast the film, which honestly was probably the most, I would say enlightening part of the entire project because it really taught me how to hire. Mm. It taught me how to find the right people. And I, I do believe at its core businesses need systems. They need process. And I don't want to underestimate the importance or value of that. But without the right people, process and system doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So you really need the right people and you need to take the care and attention to find people who are going to help you get where you want to go. So in my case, I, I looked at 3,000 different demo reels before I hired my DP, my cinematographer. We inter- I mean, the casting alone took months and months and months because we were we were casting no-name actors. I mean, apologies to my act, my, my, uh, <laughs> cast, but they, they all, except for a few, were kind of well-known. They weren't Leo DiCaprio's kind of. They were, exactly. And so, to be super blunt, most people, not not the people that we ended up going with, most of the actors we had come in, they weren't great, right? So, mm-hmm. so it was like finding the, the talent amongst all these hundreds, if not thousands of people between the submissions we got and the people we had come to the inter- to the interview, to the audition, uh, you know, we, we had to really go through a large quantity to find the right quality. And so, you know, then we go into edit the, uh, to shoot the film and then edit the film and then take it to film festivals. We were really fortunate. I mean, we went all over the world, multiple continents. We won the audience award for best feature at San, uh, San Francisco and then New York. Uh, it, it was great. And then we got picked up for distribution, got it on Netflix, got it on Amazon, got it on all the platforms. And, and it was an amazing journey, but it was seven years mm-hmm. from the time I moved to New York to write the script to the time that we released the film. And in all that time, I could, you know, just being blunt, I didn't make seven years worth of money, right? Worth of, worth of income. Right. Although the film did really well and has a cult following. It was an amazing journey. And I do believe a lot of my subsequent success, which <laughs> let me just assure you of this, corporate provided a lot more financial success than, than being an independent filmmaker. But my, the skills that I developed, mm-hmm. whether that be hiring or leading a team and allowing them to, to thrive and do what they are capable of doing, all of those skills were applied in my corporate career. And so I do pay a debt of gratitude to my film experience because I think I wouldn't have had the success that I had in corporate had I not sharpened my my saw, so to speak, as a filmmaker. Well, right that 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 experience like lent itself, right those those ups and downs. I mean, it sounds like anything in life, right? You go into something and you either go on and look at it like, what can I get out of this, or what am I not going to mm-hmm. get out of this, right? So looking back on it, you're like a lot of the stuff that I learned the hard way 
now I can go to corporate America, and, and I've learned a lot of this stuff that's going to make me excel a lot quicker. And I don't want to butcher the name of the of the movie. I know it starts with an R. Yeah, it's it's rolling. So the movie's about ecstasy, the drug, mm-hmm. and it and it and it's a documentary style feature. It's a documentary style, but it is a narrative. It is fictional. So essentially, what it is is there's eight characters who are all at various stages of their experimentation with the drug. There's a first-time user uh, who's a high school teacher. There's a drug dealer who's been doing it for years. And then there's everything in between. You got a raver, you got a a med student, a lawyer. It's just a a, a wide range of characters. And they, they tell their story and talk about their experience to the camera, almost like interview style. Right. And intercut with that is the narrative film and like the, the actual story. It's, it's loosely based at least from a, a style standpoint on a movie called sidewalks of New York, okay. an Ed Burns movie. Um, and so if anybody's seen sidewalks of New York, it's very similar. They it's, it's, that's more about love, but they give interviews to the camera and then you see the story unfold in, in more of like a, a traditional cinematic style. Sounds interesting. I'll have to check it out. Is it available on like Netflix? Yeah, Hulu? It it's, on, it's on YouTube. Okay. Netflix, it's still there. It's not on, it's not on uh, currently streamable on Netflix. But okay. You can do the DVD. Heck yeah. Who does that anymore? But yeah, you could do that. I kind of want to do that. Probably the easiest place is YouTube. You could just rent it on YouTube. I kind of want to get the Netflix DVD though. Do it, man. I kind of want, I you know, it. I feel like a little kid. I'll get a, point, I'll get a penny for that. So that's about all. <laughs> all right. Hey, listeners, to everybody out there, we're, 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 we're rushing, we're bum rushing it. We're hitting Netflix DVD. Netflix is going to be like, what? They're going to be like, we don't yeah, even know happened? if we have any DVDs left. <laughs> oh, that's so You're funny. To reach out to me. Yeah, yeah. That's so funny. I was gonna, uh... So, Cole, you kind of beat me to it, but, you know, hearing Billy just share like his previous experience, like, he's definitely taking what he's learned and applying that to, you know, your, your next venture or whatever it is that you're working on. Um, and I kind of want to jump to present day. Like I know you're putting out as Cole said, some fire content and we're learning a ton from you. So keep it up. And I know lots of people are walk us through like your mind, if you don't mind, like what is your thought process in terms of like coming up with some of your content? Like I, I think you're very strategic about like what content you want to push and, Cole and I would love to learn a little bit more. Oh man, the, the, you you oh, wind me up right now. You <laughs> you got me excited because I right now this is really where I am most excited and passionate is this world of content creation in an environment where we can in a moment impact lives around the world mm-hmm. through such simple and easy methods. And I think where most people get content creation wrong is they they think it's something that it's not, and they they almost put barriers in front of them to make it more difficult instead of less difficult to push out content. So I'm a I'm a proponent, and and it's taken a while to get it to this point. I'm a proponent of quantity helping you get to quality, and and Gary V talks about this. And so when I first started on my I'll call it my content journey, which is different than my creative journey. My content journey started about two and a half years ago. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. So the beginning of uh, basically the beginning of the pandemic. Okay. And it happened specifically on LinkedIn. Uh, I'd already launched my podcast, but I was just starting to put out content on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it would almost be like a daily thing. Okay, it's it's a new day. I got to make some more content. And it, that recipe, while it worked, it's not 
I don't believe it's the best way to think about how to produce content. And so the way I do it now is really more of a, a batch creation type of um, mode okay. where I, I think of ideas throughout the week, month, whatever, and I write them down. Sure. And then I batch shoot or batch create. So I'm either writing or shooting videos of the content. Now, this is this is secondary to podcasting, which is another form, long-form content, which can then be repurposed into micro-content. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think what works best is to really figure out what do you want to be known for? In my case, it's podcasting. I, I want to be known for podcasting. Now, I'm not a veteran podcaster. I haven't been doing it for 15 years, but I have learned a lot in a short amount of time, and I have, a, I would say, arguably more knowledge than maybe not that arguably, but more knowledge than most people about podcasts mm-hmm. because I've been a student of it. And, and so I share that knowledge. And, and now that's not to say that I don't have other things like, you know, obviously my podcast and mindset and other things like entrepreneurship, but really a core focus of the content I've put out is how to con- how to create content, especially around podcasting, mm-hmm. and especially around the promotion of podcasts. And that's really where I'm driving to and, and video being a big, a big component of that. Um, But to answer your questions as specifically as I can, the way I think about content today and the way in which I approach content is A, figure out what I want to be known for. B, how can I create as much of that content and stack it so that I have basically content for the next year or two years where I don't even need to think about it and put it on autopilot? And then how do I show up in the right places at the right times? And so I'm fortunate I have a team. My team is responsible for editing my content, is responsible for publishing my content, flags, any like notices or emails that I get. Um, Like they're very actively involved because it is, it's impossible to be on every platform regularly Mm -hmm. unless you have a team, right? So um, you got to have a team, know what you want to be known for, and then, I would say batch process your content. So like spend two or three hours writing at a time instead of like writing one post one day, another post another day, another post another day. Well, you talked about this. Yeah. (laughs) He's smiling over here at me because I, I, you're like, Like, if you, we need to get something in here where somebody says something and a bulb actually goes off. I was like wishing that went off when, when you were saying, I wish I had one behind me because uh, that batch content, like we've we've discussed it, right? And I think you've mentioned it in for the love of podcasts. I can't remember which one, but you've talked about this before. Is when you're creating content, and it just makes so much sense. So you're saying is like when you yeah. set that to block that time out, and, and instead of trying to like be, you know, I call ADD about it, right? Instead of trying to be sporadic, you got to go. Okay, let me set some time out, and like right. if this is my is this the thought process I want to go with? How do I create? you know, let's say 15 posts and what are they going to be about and how do I, I just like that. I mean, it's, it's really neat. So to follow up on that, um, I do have a question, a clarity question. When you say, when you're talking about batching, are you batching all content about one specific topic or mode? Or are you saying batching as in, you know, batching for like a week, week blitz or a month blitz? How, how do you do it? Got it. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you a few examples and, and kind of crystallize my approach and it's evolved. So uh, different platforms have different types of content. So Instagram, for example, I, I do really four types of content. One's what I call a personal post. 
Another, I do these animated cartoon type of posts. I do a reel or I do a carousel. So that those are the four types of posts. And then for LinkedIn, it follows a similar type of model, um, but there's also a text-only post. So what I do is, uh, a perfect example is, if I'm shooting videos, I actually recorded, get this 80 videos over a two-week period. Wow. 80, 80 different videos. We so gotta now step I'm, going back to the, I'm going back to that well, because people say, oh, do, do three videos a week. Okay, if you block the time, now granted, I will admit, I had a lot of that content pre-built from a, a, a writing standpoint mm-hmm. because I went back to all my old LinkedIn posts. And then what I did is I took, I basically created a word, uh, a Google doc and I put video one, video two, video three, video. I, li- I listed out like a, a few hundred videos. And then I just took, cause I went to a shield, shield.ai, which basically has all my old LinkedIn posts. And I had my, my VA take all of my content for like the last year and a half at this, this was like a year ago. I had to take all my content and and put it into this um, spreadsheet. Then I would take the the posts that I liked that I feel were like more evergreen. And then I'd put them under video one, under video two, under video three. And then I got in front of my camera and okay, video one, what am I talking about? I'm talking about this. Uh, I'm talking about uh, how to outsource video two. I'm talking about how to, uh, create more content video three. I'm talking about this and so on forth. And so I just shoot. So I'd shoot like five to 10 videos at a time. I would send that to my editor. My editor would work on it. So basically the way I would batch that is I would take like probably 30 minutes Mm -hmm. to 45 minutes to shoot 10 videos that I then send to my editor. Okay. Again, doing this over the course of two weeks, I got 80 pieces of content. I wasn't even doing it every day. Um, the other piece is writing. So writing's tough because everybody's got a different style, but one suggestion is to say, I'm going to write two days, three days, four days a week, whatever that is. Maybe it's an hour every morning. Everybody's going to figure out their own thing, but calendar block it out mm. and make that non-negotiable time where you spend your time doing what you've agreed to yourself because we, we never hold ourselves accountable. You got to agree to yourself that you're going to do whatever it is you say you're going to do during this time without fail, non-negotiable. You're going to do it no matter what. And you do it. If it's only one day a week, fine. Do it one day a week and you write during that time. And again, I would do the same thing. Post one, post two, post three. And so uh, with LinkedIn, you know, I mentioned, I mentioned on Instagram, there's images with LinkedIn. Another type of post is GIF or GIF, whatever you prefer. But I could go through and I could have like, 20 written posts and I say, okay, let me find a GIF for each, for some of these posts that I think would help to give it a little bit more spunk, a little bit more excitement than it would if it was just a text post. Uh, And and so again, I would spend an hour batch processing, looking for GIFs, spend an hour writing, spend an hour making a video. That's what I mean by batch processing. Whatever it is that I'm doing, I'm not just doing it for a single post. I'm doing it for a dozen or mm-hmm. a couple dozen posts. I'm smiling cheek to cheek over here. If you can't tell, I'm, I'm just so happy hearing all this. I mean, we've got a lot of opportunity and uh, you're just continuing to drop some knowledge bombs. So really appreciate that. Um, happy to. I don't know if you know, but like obviously Cole and I are, we're, we're newer to podcasting and you know, we, we're quickly surprised. We're, we're quickly growing, as we say. Uh, lots of green space in front of us. 
what do you recommend is like a good area to focus on? And I know there's probably no right or wrong answer here, but if anyone's interested in starting a podcast, like what advice or recommendations mm. do you give to them? Are there certain platforms maybe to kind of double down on versus staying away from some others to start? Any thoughts around that? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I think the first thing I always recommend is w- defining why you're doing it yeah. and understanding what your intention is. Mm-hmm. And this isn't speaking to you specifically, but just anybody that's starting the show. Sure. What is the reason you're doing it? And what does success look like? Are you doing it because you want to be the next Joe Rogan? Or are you doing it to support your business? Or are you doing it to get leads, clients, make money? You love talking to people like what? And really get as clear as possible about defining your why and your intention. Now, as important, if not more important than that, is to know who you're speaking to. Mm -hmm. Who is your audience? And the more defined your audience is and clear, the better. And there's a lot of reasons for this, but most importantly is if you ever want to monetize it, you're going to monetize way easier if you could say without a shadow of a doubt, this is the person I'm talking to. I'm talking to, example, Vertical Farmers. I have a friend, Harry Duran. I interviewed him. Mm-hmm. He started a podcast called the Vertical Farming Podcast. Mm-hmm. It's super niche, very specific. But guess what? He has like $60,000 worth of sponsors because he could go to sponsors and be like, hey, this is my show. This is what we talk about. You're also serving that same audience. Do you want to be one of my elite sponsors? It's $15,000 a season. Here's what you get. I not only talk about you at the front of each episode, but I also mention you in my social media posts. It's also in the show notes. And so thinking about your podcast, not as a podcast, but as a media company. Mm -hmm. And so when you ask the question, like, what what should people think about? Think about your why and intention. Mm -hmm. Think about who you're talking to. And then the last piece is shift your thinking from thinking about, I need to figure out how to create the best show ever to think about how do you create a show that serves that audience as best you can? And how do you shift from thinking 80% of your time is spent on creating the show mm-hmm. and 20% it's on marketing to 20% is creating the show and 80% of your time is spent on the marketing. And, and, and with that, I could, I could give a few tips on the marketing front, but I, I think most people think almost all of their effort should be spent on creating the show Mm -hmm. and only a small little part of their effort should be spent on marketing their show. Or maybe they, they know they need to do more, but they just don't have any time left over. So I think that has to happen to see the traction and to see the show grow. Right. Right. And so I, 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 uh, I, I listened to you. I think one of you, I actually sent Hayden a message the other day because I listened to the one for the love and you were talking about seven it was like the seven things that you must do when you're on a podcast. And one of them was marketing. Spend more, And you literally go, spend more time on the marketing than you do on the – because that's so critical. So for us and for our listeners, you know, um, first of all, I love the, the tidbit you said about the content creation because, again, planning it out 
um, thinking about it in advance. I think a lot of us go, well, I can't be a content creator because I don't have any good content. Instead of going, okay, well, I can if I just take some time to like think about what I'm going to put out there, right? A lot of us don't start because we're worried like we – we don't have what is as valuable as that person does. And it's like that person just planned it out maybe, right? You might have that. You just got to think about it, right? Put some effort in. Um, but for the marketing standpoint, what like what tactics or you know, cuz marketing is a broad term. Like what would you specifically, you know, is it uh you know, social media blitzes, is it grabbing emails and doing email cuz again this is some of this stuff is is vague. Like, what would you suggest yep. if I'm going to I'm going to dive into marketing? Like, what would you suggest yeah. going and doing? Yeah, I, I, and and I think I might have shared this with Cole when we met, um, and I'll share it here because it, it is valuable. There's there's really five key areas, and I'll I'll throw in a bonus as well because you're right. Marketing's so broad. There's so many things you can do. I've actually had my team put together like a list, like almost a comprehensive bible, if you will of marketing ideas. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we, we're going to make that a- available to anybody that wants it. And I'll, I'll share a link with you guys so you can share it, put it in your show notes. But basically, uh, even though that all these ex- ideas exist, the idea that's best for you is the one that you can do consistently. And I'll mm-hmm. share five that I think you can't ignore. The first one, without question, has to be done and that is go on other podcasts. Go on podcasts in your space. If you have a mental health podcast, go on other mental health podcasts, especially if they have an audience, right? Because podcast listeners listen to other podcasts. You give yourself, it's almost like a free advertisement. You go on another show, it's a borrowed audience. You're getting their ears and you're giving yourself an opportunity to say, hey, let me, let me check out this person's podcast. So that's number one. Number two is take advantage of the organic reach that you can get through platforms like Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. YouTube Shorts, Instagram Reels, and TikTok. And so when you think about those platforms, they are pushing short-form vertical content like crazy, mm-hmm. especially if what you have is memeable or shareable. You know, it's something that people are going to want to share with their friends. And I think... If you could do that and you could do it effectively, you stand to go viral and to broaden the awareness of your show. So ignoring that and not doing that is wasted opportunity. The third thing I recommend doing is don't ignore the power of words. Mm. And what I mean by that is written versions of your show. It could be an article. It could be transcription. It could be show notes. It could be anything that allows words to be online. That's food for the Google algorithm. And you get more and more food out there <laughs> and that your, your tenant, your tentacles into the cyber universe, more people are going to find your show. And 74% of podcasts are found because somebody's searching. It may be on a podcast platform or it may be on Google Regardless of where it is, people look for things online. Somebody's intentional about it is what you're saying. 100%, man. I mean, look, some of my first guests, they may not be household names, but people search for their name. My podcast is the first thing that pops up in almost all cases. In almost all cases. Now, I'm talking about my lesser known guests. Mm -hmm. Some of my more famous guests, yeah, maybe I'm on page two. Right. The point being is I'm still showing up. 
So that's the third thing, words, words, words. Fourth thing is get in touch with your audience on a very intimate and personal level. And what I mean by that is people are almost afraid to have a conversation with their listeners. So you guys listen to my show. So even this is a a form of interaction and I'm hearing firsthand what you listened to, what resonated, what you liked. And this is giving me more like, okay, maybe I should do more like that. By the way, some of those shows you've listened to, those are YouTube videos that I converted into a podcast. I did it once and then I, I turned it into a podcast. Right. And so, you know, what I suggest every podcaster do is have a very clear and easy way for your listener to find you either through direct message, email, contact, you name it, contact form. And then don't be afraid to suggest having a short 10, 15 minute conversation. I mean, imagine if you talk to three of your listeners every week for a year, that's 150 people at the end of a year, 300 people after two years, 450 people after three years. If you did that religiously and all of this stuff comes down to being consistent, if you did that consistently, Mm -hmm. you're going to, convert people from listeners to fans and from fans to super fans. So you're only five years away from having a thousand true super fans. And those people are going to do the work for you. They're going to tell people about you. They're going to be the person they're promoting you. Likely to share. Yeah. They're promoting you. And then the number five is throw gasoline on the fire by doing paid advertising every big podcast almost does some form of paid advertising, whether that be on a podcast platform or player or social media or other ad buys. Once you've done those first four, then you accelerate your growth by investing into visibility Mm -hmm. by using paid advertising. I think if you do those five strategies and start, you know, start with one, then do the other, then do the other, you're going to see results as long as you do it consistently. Absolutely. I just, I love, I just love, I love the, the, um, the way you laid that out was, it was, I mean, for us is super like easy for to, to follow. I mean, I, and I remember we had that, this, that conversation and you did, you went through these exact five things. I remember going back and listening to it when you sent me the recording, going back and listening, yeah, going, cool, this is just so, it's so crystal clear. Right. And I think, you know, kudos to you. Uh, and I think, you know, it's probably something you've developed over time. It's just how you communicate that. Um, and I think our listeners are going to go, okay, like we want to have some listeners. You know, I want to start a podcast now. Like that sounds, that sounds awesome. And he just made it really easy for me to understand where to go, uh, which is great, right? I mean, because the more people we get out there creating content and, and giving value, the better, right? That's what we want, totally. um, which is super cool. So I wanted to go, you've mentioned, uh, this is a question that I've, had on my mind since we started uh talking about how, when we when you came on the show i said he's had some pretty unique guests on there i know you you interviewed i think one of the most recent ones was the co-founder of angel list which is a super super cool um uh platform for anybody that doesn't know about it that startups a lot of startups and newer tech companies and can go on and post jobs and recruit on which is really really slick um but I want to know, like, who has been, and, and maybe you don't have to go favorite, but what guests have you had on to your show that you've learned the most from? Mm. You know, you're right about not being the most famous because it's not not necessarily they're not necessarily the same. Like, the most famous isn't necessarily the person I learned the most right. from. Right. So, I actually learned a lot from a guy named John Esperian. 
Okay. And, and, and part of the learning happens in the research phase. And then I, cause I, I take the research very serious. I spend five to 10 hours for each guest wow. reading their book, looking at their content, understanding who they are. And the reason I do that on the front end is I want to synthesize what I think are the most valuable. And to me, value is defined by tell me something I don't already know. Mm -hmm. Cause people, people, they just tune out information that's the same. So how do I get something and extract it from this human being in a way where it's going to be an engaging, nuanced, relevant conversation, but also a valuable conversation in terms of the information that's being delivered. Uh, and so John Asperian, his book, Content DNA, it, it embodies what I've just described. So it wasn't hard for me to extract great information. Right. So he's somebody that stands out. But I will say, interviewing Bob Berg, the author of The Go-Giver, <laughs> was was amazing yeah and he he practices what he preaches he sent me a thank you note after the interview and, and gave me a, a great compliment about my interview style and all of that so that that was really a fulfilling experience mm -hmm. interviewing a guy named uh chris doe who i met on clubhouse here's a guy who's had a successful he's an emmy nominated successful entrepreneur very well known if you look at his youtube channel you'll see the content he puts out he is somebody that I look to as a role model, an advisor, a mentor, and having him on the show and understanding how he's become who he is and how he operates and how he thinks, it really got me thinking about how I should approach my business mm -hmm. as, a, as an agency and production company owner. Like, how can I rethink my strategy and my approach? And so for me, that was a very personal interview because it helped me on my own entrepreneurial journey. And then, you know, so many others that have either inspired me or challenged me, uh, Liz Wiseman, author of Multipliers, her book really talks about how you find multipliers in your business. She also wrote a book called Rookie Smarts, hmm. which is a great book because it reminds us that just because you have experience doesn't mean you're going to excel at the job. In fact, you have many things working against you because you have preconceived notions, all those things we talked about, like Elon, right? First principles thinking, there's some parallels there. When you have a, a rookie mindset, you're more likely to talk to an expert with an open mind. You're more likely to not think that you have it all under control. Mm -hmm. You're more likely to not be afraid to ask questions and all the, all the things that go into having a rookie mindset. And so, I mean, I could go on and on and such a great question because you're, 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 you're giving me the opportunity to reflect and think back on all these memories I have of meeting so many unique dynamic people that have done remarkable things. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm just honored that I've had the, the chance, you know, to interview Dave Meltzer, to interview all these amazing people who do, who do really cool things. Uh, the, the last thing I'll say is that I've interviewed some amazing people but honestly, I, I I really believe that no matter where you're at on your podcast journey, don't assume that because you haven't interviewed people that are famous or because you haven't interviewed people that are well-known that you can't. You can. You absolutely can. Have the courage to ask people for that moment, that opportunity to meet them. If you're going to do it, don't do it boilerplate, sending an email that you've sent everybody else. Right. 
make it hyper specific, make it really personal and, and do it with your heart because people are more likely to respond when you ask from the heart than you just copy and pasting some generic email. Be genuine, man. Be genuine. Yeah. People want to work with people. And by the way, you're totally. downplaying that you're on this podcast and we, we both think you're pretty, you're pretty legit. I mean, you might not call yourself famous, but you've done some pretty, I mean, you're, you're a first, I mean, I think our, our first big time guest that you're a we, celebrity and we've eyes. had some amazing we've had <laughs> some amazing guests we feel you like guys are way too kind. Yeah, we're like, kissing his ass right now we're, we're just what we just want him to promote it no um you've did you <laughs> no you've been um you know we've had some amazing guests and one of the things i i've hayden and i have gone back and forth uh about is yes we want to have those those big guests the, with the clout and the you know the books and the the that stuff. That's great. That's going to absolutely help us. But one of the things we love too is to provide. You know, I've, we've had I think four or five guests on so far, and and some of them are you know, may, you know they're not super well known. They're not famous or anything like that. But to us, their story is like when they share their story, everybody's got something valuable to say, right? And so it's been super neat to give people the opportunity to share their story. And to share value that they they have out of experiences they have in their life, and it would be cool to have that mix of you know people that are up and coming or trying to create you know create their own content or or start a write a book or start write you know whatever it is um, you know start a business and promote that, and then people that have already been there, people that are on the other end of the spectrum that have gotten to that point and been promoted, and so it's it's pretty it's a pretty neat to just be able to get that like that that. Uh, du- du- duality, right? You have this one versus that yeah. one. It's really cool. Well, yeah, and also the other piece to it is you, you never know what value someone pr- will provide until you're actually in the moment and you you are having, I mean, I love unscripted exchanges, right? Because you, you don't know where it will evolve to. You don't know how the conversation will, will unfold. The dynamic nature of a conversation is that it's there's no two conversations that are the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you may cover similar topics, but it'll always be a outcome that is based on multiple inputs. Meaning right now there's there's three of us having a conversation. It's very different than two people having a conversation, which is very different than five people having a conversation. So group dynamics play into it. Plus, I mean, you're gonna get as you do more interviews, you you I mean, it happens with me every interview, whether me being interviewed or being the interviewer, you grow, you develop, you learn, you make changes and and adapt and become better at having conversations. And so I'm a huge believer in just do more of it. Like, don't, don't, you know, don't only, I only want to meet with celebrities or only want to meet with persons. (laughs) Like just meet with people and have fun and just, have an unscripted exchange. I don't think Billy said anything wrong. No, he's, he's <laughs> only got good things to say. Check, check, check. Yeah, couldn't, so, have, couldn't have scripted that. I've got one like really specific in the weeds type of question. Um, like we're trying to grow on multiple platforms. I think YouTube's our next area of focus. Like we're mm-hmm. we're definitely seeing an increase uh, in listens and downloads with just the the podcast itself. But we want to definitely get into making some additional types of content and pushing some stuff on YouTube. I mean, right now it's just you know a recording of us talking, but 
Mm. How um, important are like cover photos on mm. YouTube videos and also the title? I know Cole and I have had yeah. some debates. We might have even gotten into a little bit of a, a fight on how we should <laughs> name some of our, our episodes. But any thoughts That's around funny. that? I do. Yeah. And uh, this is something that I'm deeply, deeply entrenched in and curious about myself because mm-hmm. like you, I, I, and like most podcasters, we, we want to crack that YouTube code. So I've, I've actually studied it quite a bit and I'm continuing to study it. And I'm actually expanding my team very specifically with a hyper focus on YouTube mm-hmm. and TikTok specifically. So I would say 50% of your success. And, and of course, uh, I, I think you can always make an argument that, that this is how do you measure this? Sure. But 50% of your success really will come down to the thumbnail. The thumbnail matters significantly. So you got to have really eye grabbing thumbnails and it may, whether that be 50% or 30%, a percentage, a good percentage of your success is, is the thumbnail going to inspire somebody, somebody to click play. Cause if it's not, you're, you're going to have a, a you're going to struggle. So that's very, very important. The other piece, the title also needs to tell the story. It, it, there's a difference between clickbait and having a hook point. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I interviewed the author of hook point who also wrote 1 million followers. And he talks about like, you want to, you have three seconds to get to, uh, probably less a couple split second to get somebody's attention. It's like a magazine rack. Okay. I mean, they don't really exist that much anymore, but a magazine rack, how do you find that one image, that one thumbnail that's going to draw people in? And the title also needs to draw, draw people in and it can't be the same. You might have three words on a thumbnail versus, you know, five or to seven words on, in a title and they, they can't be the exact same. They serve different purposes. And I think they're super, super important. And then the third, the third sort of, leg to the stool if one leg is the thumbnail another leg is the title is the actual content and i would say think about youtube from a listener viewer perspective and most people want to watch youtube videos that are going to help them learn something or entertain them so it's education in it or entertainment and so how do you really capture somebody's attention through the thumbnail through the title but then how do you deliver on that by giving them something that is going to make them either feel like they've been entertained or that they've been taught. And so depending upon the show will dictate your approach. The approach that I'm using now is how do I synthesize a 45 minute video into eight minutes or 10 minutes, right? Mm. A little bit more YouTube length. Yep. And then how do I take that video and synthesize it into a one minute video for, for TikTok? So TikTok, it's like rapid cuts, the first second matters tremendously. What's the value proposition? And then like people want their, their information concentrated into the shortest, most compact version possible. Yep. And so for me, what I'm doing for, for YouTube, and you can check out the video that I created for Chris Doe, I'm thinking it more like a documentary style hmm. where there's music and I'm taking the, the interview that I did with him. It was a 40, no, maybe 50 minute interview. And now I have a nine minute video on YouTube you know, it's done pretty well for me. I, I, mm-hmm. I can't say that I've, I've put a lot of intention on my own personal YouTube because most of my attention is on my clients' YouTube, sure. which, is, which is growing very fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, but uh, you know, the, 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 the thumbnail, the title, and then the content all matter significantly. 
and the editing uh, there's a there's a great channel oh god oh, oh i can't remember what it is but if you look up youtube editing i think it's i think it's actually is his name hayden also uh i can't remember his, his is that name, logan but, paul's editor you know who logan yes, paul is yeah yes, yeah i've seen some yes. of this stuff yeah yeah do you know his name I think it's Hayden as well. And that's my name. So that's why I, yeah, I remember no, that right, better. Right. <laughs> check out, listen, check out this guy's videos on YouTube editing, mm -hmm. because I think that's the secret sauce that people don't talk about Yep. when it comes to YouTube is how the, because there's so much content out there, how it's synthesized and presented matters significantly. Just like it, totally. how the thumbnails presented and how the titles presented all significantly matter. So you could take the same interview, like our interview here, right? And if it's just packaged without any editing, it's very different from a feeling standpoint than if you were to take the five best minutes from our conversation mm -hmm. and package it in a really nice, nice, neat way. Totally. Uh, and then look for other people. Like, you know, there are a lot of podcasts out, out there that are doing things really well. Like uh, when I, when I had one of my clients interviewed Nick Cannon, we did it in a studio. So it's got a show feel to it. So you could check it out on Dr. Laura Berman and you could see the Nick Cannon interview. And it, I mean, this was covered by people and billboard. It was sort of a, a viral type of thing. Pretty big deal. Yeah. And, and so when, when we did that, we knew we wanted to create a better visual experience. So we shot it in a, an actual studio in-person studio. So I think video is obviously going to fare best when you have something that's a little bit higher production value and is giving people a better overall experience. Right. They want to have those visuals that are kind of like eye-catching and and look clean and just like, yeah, grab their attention. I, I think that's funny. I always refer to, yeah, TikTok is like, or even Reels, like you get literally like a split second to keep somebody's attention. Like if you don't grab it right away, you like three to ten you're seconds. swiped. You're yeah. gone. You're right. That's yeah. super interesting. I uh, you, you, you Split second, man. And yeah. then, I, mean, cut, cut, I mean, actually overlap, like us talking right now, right? Like, you could take like literally five things that I've said and like smash them together. And that's the TikTok video. And you could do like different uh, angles, not angles, but um, maybe one's a close up, one's a bit further out, one's your reaction. Look, and look what other people are doing on YouTube in the podcast space. But that's, that's the vibe you want. It's like very, it's, it's the ADD generation, right? You're adapting to who your audience is, mm -hmm. but it's like, it's gotta be fast paced and it's gotta be visually compelling yep so i got a question uh and i know we're getting we've uh we're, we're over an hour here now so i don't want to take too much more of your time because i know this is this has been a marathon a fun conversation but it's been great i i really we've been talking about the podcasting and and hayden if you have some more stuff to add before we get off too but i keep jumping back to like i love the podcasting i love the the media and and what i really like love about your story is the entrepreneurial aspect of it going from corporate to like starting these podcasts, these podcasts, content creation, and then you've got insight media. Um, and what, you know, what was that? Did you start off with podcasts first and then, mm -hmm. and then kind of go, okay, I'm getting real, I'm educating myself, getting better and better. And, and then that's when the insight media, you know, the full media company uh, and agency partner came in. And then, you know, what kind of, you know, journey has that been for you? Has mm -hmm. that been, you know, did one lend, lead into the other or, or, or. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened was I had my podcast right, and I had my, my insight media really is the umbrella that, that 
I use to produce all my shows. And that's the entity that I created really for my own personal content. Mm -hmm. and, and so what I quickly realized as I was creating my own show is there's so much work that goes into creating a podcast. And there are other companies out there that, that act as production company agencies, support vehicles. And so I said, you know, this is a model that I think I could pull off and pull off effectively. And I have enough, what I'll call built in um, connections and uh, established enough credibility in the space to where I could find clients quickly. Mm -hmm. And so we started Podify with, with the vision of starting as a services business, transitioning into becoming a technology business. Okay. And so uh, being an entrepreneur is something I've always wanted to do, never actually did it because I, I went from making a movie and that you could argue was an entrepreneurial you know, type of thing as well. But we did that and moved into corporate. But when I left, I was like, okay, making a podcast, as you guys know, and most podcasters know, a podcast almost always is not a business. Right. In some cases it is, but in most cases it isn't. There's usually, it's a part of a marketing strategy mm -hmm. to support a business or it's a hobby. Yep. Or in some very rare cases, it is a business if you have a built-in audience or celebrity status, or if you've worked your ass off for years and you've turned it into a business, that's just, that's just the brass tacks of it. Right. Right. And so recognizing this, it's like, okay, I, I have two podcasts, you know, some, some, um, you know, income can be generated through sponsorship and other things, but it's not significant. It's supplemental. It's not. Yeah. It's just not. So I said, okay, I can actually help people make their podcast. That could be a business. And, it's, it's gone exceptionally well. Doesn't mean it's been smooth. Mm -hmm. It's being an entrepreneur is hard work. It's hard work, you know, hiring. It's hard work losing people. It's hard work. You own, you, you're, you're, you know, you're owned by the business, yep. right? Yep. And so it's, it hasn't been without its share of challenges, but I will say, I feel very fortunate that my, natural state and skill set is people. Mm -hmm. And so I've had a very good run of meeting and growing relationships with other people and through LinkedIn, through clubhouse, through other, other ways that I've been able to get my, myself out there. Finding clients has not been challenging. Thankfully, knock on wood, that's been probably the easiest and, and most enjoyable part. Uh, as well as helping clients meet their goals and realize what they want to do and turn it into reality. I think scaling the business like anything is probably the most challenging because we grow to a certain point and then we're like, okay, we actually need to grow more. And so it's been challenging, but also fun uh, because, you know, hiring people and finding people is always to me, it's like exciting because you mm -hmm. bring new people into the business and that, in and of itself is like, it's just, it's just got this amazing, uh, it's chemistry. It's like you create this chemistry of people and then you watch it, how it, how they interact and how they feed off of each other and how they grow. And also there's times where people leave and it's like, Oh, like we just had recently, we had one of our top, top people left. Hmm. So I had to backfill that role. Luckily I found an amazing person to backfill that role, but it was, it was hard, right? Mm -hmm. It's hard hearing that somebody needs to go to their next chapter. And so 
for me, like as, as I look forward as an entrepreneur and I still, I'm still early, early innings, right? Started in December of 2020 in the height of the, the pandemic. And now we're at a point where we had our biggest month ever last month. We're growing month over month. And, and so I'm grateful that we're at where we're at. And I'm extremely excited to now transition to not only be a services business, but to also look at how can we provide technologies that support podcasters in a meaningful way in two areas. One, in how they produce their show. And two, how they market their show, how they get their show out there. The latter being the most significant piece, which I feel most podcasters aren't either equipped or knowledgeable to be able to, to get their show out there, which, which is one bonus thing for, for any podcaster listening is check to see where your show's at from a, a, a directory standpoint. Like most people don't even realize that their show isn't even on every platform that it can be. And so I, that's one of the things we're going to help podcasters with early is just seeing like, is their show, uh, the tentacles of their show, are they as far reaching as they can be? Because that's low-hanging fruit that any podcaster can check if they do the due diligence to know what platforms exist where they, they need to have their show out there. And, and a lot of people don't. So remarkable hearing all of that. <laughs> I mean... As you touched on there, I mean, there, there's a lot of uh, emotions that go uh, into, you know, running your own business and even having a couple of different podcast shows. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, it's super meaningful. At least I'm speaking from experience mm -hmm. here. Like we like to put good out into the world. And I think that's kind of your mm -hmm. stance as well, trying to better the lives yeah. of other people and, you know, try to get them to live out their dreams. So just resonate with everything that you mentioned there. Very cool. Yeah. Well, it's super neat that you found something that you were passionate about, right? People and mm -hmm. communicating with people. And and I think that's like when something's beautiful, like you said, it's been tough. But like something's some, like life stuff. Yeah. Guess. And like you, you're embracing yeah. that. Like you're going to have your ups and downs. There's going to be times where you're like, screw this. I hate it. You know, I don't want to <laughs> do it anymore. Right. This yeah. there's we all go through that. Right. But it's it sounds like you've. And for as cliche as I want to make this, I like to say cliche stuff every, all the, you know, every now and then. It sounds like you found your calling, right? And you can take mm -hmm. something you're very good with and very good at, and also match it up with something that can make money. And people are going to be paying for that because it's worth it, right? There's value there. It's going to make their life better. Help them achieve their goals. You're achieving your goals. Everybody wins. We all get a piece of the pie. I love that. Mm. I love that. We, you know, the worst, the worst thing you can hear is somebody starts a business to sell something, but they don't really believe in it or buy into it. You're like, mm. no, 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 no. Like it's worked for me. Yeah. I started off doing it and I had success. So I figured I can help other people. Mm -hmm. right? right. I, why wouldn't they pay me to do it like that? You know? So I think yeah. that's just killer. I think it's an awesome story. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I, I'm glad you said it in the way you said it too. Cause Often what I say is I left my career, but I found my calling. Mm -hmm. And it really is something that I'm so grateful for because I recognize that life is full of opportunities to pivot and make changes. And you could theoretically think you're making the right change and then it ends up not being. And that's okay. That happens. But I do feel like I've I've pivoted in the right way. It hasn't always been smooth. Like I admittedly, it hasn't always been smooth. But I I am I'm I'm I feel that the the 
course that I've, I began to chart and the direction that I'm going is the right direction. And it's, it's proved by it's, it's proven by uh, the, the results and the opportunities that I'm continuing to get, whether that be meeting amazing people, working with amazing people, helping amazing people, meeting amazing people like, like we are right now, all of that feeds my belief that the decisions that I've made over the last two years, not while not all perfect, <laughs> most of them have put me at the right point in time where I am today. Love it. Love it. Beautiful. Love it. Yeah, that's what gets me excited. I, I think we could keep Billy here for like another five or six hours, but I, I don't want to do that to him. I think we wrap things up with some quick hitters. That's typically how we, we close out our show. Well, I'm going to let you fire them off. Yeah. Uh, long content or short content? Which do you prefer? Mm, boy, yeah, can I have both? Uh, long long content because I'm, I, I just like getting way more deeper and long content ends up becoming short content. So we can't not have the long content. Okay. All right. Beach or lake? Beach. That was an easy one. He knew uh, yeah, about he it. He didn't even have to think. Yeah. Beach. I love the beach. I mean, I love lakes too, but but beach, I'm a beach guy. I, I live in SoCal. I'm a mile from the beach right now, although I don't go as much as I'd like to because you sort of take it for granted when you. When right. You when you're there. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. My problem. But the endless abyss of the beach is something oh, magical. It's so nice. Makes you just like put things in perspective too, and you look at it. When you like, you go to a lake, you like, oh, I can see the other side. Like, I don't have to put that much in perspective, right? You go to the ocean, you're like, I can't, you know, I can't see. Like, it's a big, big world. The weather's it's just so true. much nicer out there. We might have to make our way out there. Right now, it's out, rainy yeah, and we'll cold, and it's it's not not very <laughs> fun to look deal outside. With. Okay, so you says <laughs> yeah, he said come out here. He says beach. He said, "Oh, we'll definitely come." We're taking you up on that now. <laughs> follow up, like, hey, when can we come stay? Um, I was gonna, okay. So uh, beach or I'll, lake? I'll, he said beach. I'll jump in. Go for it. Professional baseball game or professional football game i think i know this because we were talking before we went on the air yeah. but i mean I, here's my belief football is is so much better consumed on tv uh-huh. versus baseball try oh, no, i mean i i love watching baseball on tv but like when you're there at a baseball game that is a a truly just ah oh, there's something that i mean it's in my heart i love being at the game so i definitely pick baseball it's not that i don't like going to nfl games but I, I don't know. I just don't feel like you get the full flavor versus like the, when the cameras are like right on top of the players in the NFL. I mean, your experience as a consumer of that type of content is way better. I would call that a hot take because I so agree with I that. I was about to say that. Yeah, literally nobody <laughs> ever wants to admit that, but like everybody in their own heads always like, man, I really wish I would have just stayed home and watched this on my flat screen right. TV. <laughs> you know, like, I, like you get, you know, you get like all the, you get the commentators, you get the uh, different, like, yeah, you get the different views. Sometimes they mic the players up and you can listen to what they're saying. You're like, you know, a football game, you're just like, sir, can you sit? Well, I'm short. So I'm like, sir, can you, can you please sit down in front of me? I can't, I'm like peeking around people. Um, There's nowhere good to sit either. Yeah. Like if you're sitting in 50 yard line, then you don't see, and like a touchdown close up if you're sitting in the end zone then they're on the other side of the field like you don't really see that it's just yeah no a hot take of the day such what a, a unique take i love yeah. it I hot love dog it. or cheeseburger <laughs> cheeseburger okay i really like a good hot dog but i'm a cheeseburger guy i, I don't know why i thought of that because we just did a grill out the other day 
And I just like, well, you know, you got the people. I should have said brat or hot. Hey, dog. we're we're unscripted here, man. <laughs> unscripted. I'd go cheeseburger over brat. I'd go hot dog over brat. I'm not a brat guy. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Spaghetti over fettuccine Alfredo. Jeez, you're keeping the food going. <laughs> I'm God, hungry. I love the food ones. You can tell I'm hungry. Uh, it is lunchtime over here. I know you guys are making me hungry. Uh, jeez, that's a tough one, isn't it? I'm going fettuccine Alfredo, like a rich fettuccine. Delicious. I mean, I I love spaghetti, but I'd prefer a bolognese, but not even with spaghetti noodle. Like some other noodle would be better, which like a meat sauce, but with like angel hair. Oh yes, oh. Or, a, or a wide noodle would be better. Okay. Okay. Last, I got one. Sports car or truck? Truck. I I, I sports cars like they feel too dangerous, too low to the ground. And I just love big cars. So I used to have a Bronco. Oh. Give me something big. Uh, maybe I'll get the Cybertruck. Who knows? But some big, high off the ground, safe truck. I mean, it may not be good on gas unless it's the 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 Cybertruck. But but I just I'm, I'm a tr- I'm a big car person as opposed to a small car. If person. you get the Cybertruck, when do you think you're going to get that? Like 2030. <laughs> it keeps getting Dude, pushed I down. Know, I know, I know, I don't, I don't know, but it's definitely not looking like it's immediate. Who, who knows though? You never know with Tesla. They could next week be like, yeah, it's coming up. We've already produced like five thousand, you know, fifty thousand. Oh. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think that's uh, all we have, Cole. What do you, what do you say? I, I think it is. I side note, I love that you love Broncos. Have you seen the new yeah. ones? We gotta have a whole. We can have an outside discussion about that because. I got some opinions on the new style, the newer Broncos, the older Broncos, my favorite years. My dad's like obsessed. Okay. I grew up like him telling, he had the old originals and he wanted to make a movie about Broncos. Like that's how much he's in love with it. So we'll have to, we'll have to have a, a separate discussion. This, of it. this is a Midwest thing, Billy. Like we don't know how to sign off at yeah. the end. You know, <laughs> we, we keep the conversation going. We don't say goodbye right away. <laughs> if you're ever in the Cincinnati area, please let us know, reach out to us. We'll show you a good time. Uh, we'll, we'll take you out for some food and drinks and, and much more, but, uh, really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. This was an awesome, awesome time. So insightful. I don't know if you have anything else you want to share. I wanted to, I was trying to get to the, I wanted to show to let people know where they could find Billy at. So Billy on LinkedIn, Billy Samoa Salibi. Um, that's Billy Samoa S A, and we'll have this in the in the show notes as well, guys. But you can find him on LinkedIn, Billy Samoa S A M O A Salibi S A L E E B E Y. Um, you can find him on LinkedIn. He's got some awesome content in there. Uh, Insight Out, his Insight Out podcast, which again he has his uh, you know episodes, some content, um, some I think blog posts on there. It's the insightoutshow.com, dot com. Insight i n s i g h t outshow dot com, uh, and then his personal website billysamoa.com. I could rattle off a couple more, but. Um, he's got a, there's a lot of different ways he, you've done a really good job of making yourself accessible. I would, here's what I would suggest guys go to Google type in Billy Samoa Salibi and you're going to have like 17 different options. Um, so Billy, I guess the question for you, if people are more interested in, in reaching out, talking to you about, uh, you know, maybe some of your podcast services, Podify or, 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 or anything like that, what would be the best way to reach you? Well, yeah, th- and thank you so much for, for the opportunity, guys. This has been an absolute joy. You're, you make it super easy, and 
conversational and fun and lighthearted while also asking great questions that get to hopefully some, some valuable insights. You, you, you hit, you hit pretty much everything. If people want to know more about Potify, it's just potify.com on that website. You can schedule some time for a podcast strategy session, uh, which I can help you either launch your show or come up with a strategic plan to get your show out there to a broader audience or help with social media, you name it. Uh, so that's P-O-D-I-F-Y.com. Aside from that, you got it, man. Find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM. I, I do spend an obscene amount of time on that platform. So I uh, really believe in the power of connection. And if you feel the connection just by hearing me, I would love to connect with you on LinkedIn. So Hell find yeah. me there and, and, and then we'll go from there. Rock and roll, brother. We really appreciate, man. This was a lot of fun. This is a lot of fun. Thanks. Best episode thanks, yet. Thanks, Cole. Thanks, Hayden. Thanks for, thanks for everything, guys. Thanks for joining us, brother. Thanks, Billy. Take it easy. Bye. You got it. Bye.